Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 1, how evolution robs man of knowing God through his creation, but the Bible-believing Christian sees all creation as decisions of love by God. Now, this message is available for free download at iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Again, that's iTunes.com or going to friendshipwithgod.org. You can listen to them or download them all for free, friendshipwithgod.org or iTunes.com. Search for the Friendship with God podcast. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org with your iPhone, iPad, Android, or smart device and go there to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, and you'll find information on how to add the Friendship with God podcast app on your smart device, all for free. Now, you can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. We could not air this program, this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program, without your financial support. And we do need your financial support. So please call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, the number is 800-247-3051. Now, also at friendshipwithgod.org, you can sign up for Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse. That's Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse, just a small verse from the Bible. And then also a short commentary, just one, two, three sentences uh, about that verse that will help encourage you along your way with your daily devotion Monday through Friday. Sign up at friendshipwithgod.org or look for Tom Cantor on Facebook. That's Tom Cantor on Facebook. You can search for Friendship with God or Israel Restoration Ministries. You will find Tom Cantor there on Facebook, and you can find that daily devotional verse there. Or again, you can have that sent directly to your phone or email through our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up online, or again, find Tom Cantor on Facebook. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us today how evolution robs man of knowing God through his creation. But the Bible-believing Christian sees all creation as decisions of love by God. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and we confess to you that we don't take the time that we need to consider all you've done for us. And because we fail to see what you've done, we fail to worship. And so help us in this class, Lord, this morning to to see as we've never seen before you as the great provider and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you turn in, in uh, guess where? Genesis 1, how could you guess? All right, so Genesis 1, verse 20, and follow along as I read and think about this, this great time when God did the creation of the wild animals, the animals. And God said, let the waters, verse 20, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. God saw it was good. God said, Let us make man. In our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. 
God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given... Every green herb for meat, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Continuing on in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven, the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. All right, now, Two weeks ago, we saw in Genesis 1, God the great lover, God the great provider, God the great preserver. He loved, he provided, he preserved. Who can tell me some of the examples of how God wonderfully loved and provided and preserved? We just read some in Genesis 1. Just some examples. How do you see, uh, how do you see that God loved, provided, and to preserve life? What did he do? Okay, he gave food to, that's right, to animals and uh, man. And he made a point of saying that. To you, I've given the, these things. Okay, very good. Now, please remember, if you get nothing out of Genesis 1, the theme, those three names, loved, provided, preserved. That's your key to Genesis 1. God loved, God provided, God preserved. God preserved. Now, that's what we see there. Now, if I was to say to you, eternal preservation, what's another name for eternal preservation? Salvation. Salvation or eternal life. Eternal life. That's eternal preservation. So you look at Genesis 1 and think about the most famous verse in the Bible, which is John 3.16. For God so loved the world... For God so loved the world. What was that? That was his motivation. God loved. That he gave his only begotten son. What was that? That was God's provision. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What was that? His preservation. See? There it is. It's the same God. John 3.16 in Genesis 1. He loved. He provided he preserved. It's a theme that we're going to see over and over again. And you see it all throughout the Bible. Because God is the same. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So that's why when the proposition was made to him of calling down fire from heaven like Elijah did, he said in Luke 9.56, The Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them to love them, to provide salvation for them in order that they might be preserved.
Think of that woman who was caught in adultery. You remember. And so the question is, how do we see that woman? Do you know that that woman was looked at when she was caught in the very act? In the New Testament there, you remember. And the men looked at her with certain eyes. And the Lord Jesus Christ looked at her with different eyes, right? The men looked at her and they said, wicked woman that needs to be put to death, needs to be executed, needs to be killed, needs to be destroyed. But on the other hand, when the Lord Jesus Christ looked at that woman, he saw wounded woman that needs to be saved, that needs to have eternal life. Two different ways. And here what we see in Genesis 1 is we see the eyes of God. The eyes of God loving, providing, preserving. And that's what you have there. Now, a couple weeks ago, we said that there are two reasons why God waited to bring man on the scene on the last day. Now, what we saw a couple weeks ago, we learned about God is that we we focused on this and we learned about God by the choices that he made in his creation. Isn't that how you really learn about a person? By the decisions that they make. That's how you know a person, by the decisions they make. You know, we have over 600 employees and we've hired really good people and then there's been the others. Our team has really uh, thought long and hard about how in an interview session that you size up the person. How do you size them up? Do you really need to know if they like dogs or cats or, you know? And so what we've done is in the few hours that we have with the person to make a decision is we have one, we've decided we have one goal. And that goal is to find the crossroads or the decisions in life that that person has come to and then to discover what decision did they make. They go this way or they go that way, see? And that's how you know a person. That's how you know a person. If we can't get it, then we might create some suppositional situation, which we don't like. But anyway, you know, if this happened, what would you do? But because, because that's how you know the person. What we see here in Genesis is God the decision maker, making decisions. That's how we know God. What evolution does is it robs man of knowing God through his decisions. Why? Because the evolutionist doesn't see this Genesis 1 and the creation, doesn't see the creation as the specific decisions that God made in the creation. All the evolutionist can see is what he thinks happened through impersonal chance. It just came about. How sad. How very sad. But the Bible-believing Christian, the Bible-believing Christian, sees all of creation as a grand array of decisions that his heavenly Father made. And and so he can sing from his heart, This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought that rocks and trees and skies and seas, his work, his hand, the wonders wrought. See? So for us, we see in creation personal decisions, personal acts of a loving, providing, preserving God. For example, turn, if you would please, to Psalm 104.14. It says, He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, an herb for the service of man. 
that he may bring forth food out of the earth. See, the evolutionist misses all this. He misses the parts about he causeth. He misses the parts about for the cattle, for the purpose of it all, for the service of man. That's the great purpose that God had as the loving, providing, preserving God. And then he misses the great statement that he may bring forth food out of the earth. You know, that's an amazing statement. That's really something. I don't know if you ever think about that. I don't know. This phrase is repeated every Friday night in the homes of conservative and orthodox Jews as a prayer. Hotzi lechem min ha'aretz. In other words, it says, just like it says, he brings the, no, it doesn't say food, it says bread. Brings the bread out of the earth. Brings the bread out of the earth. That's an amazing thing. When we think about that, we think, we say, Hooray for our God. He made bread to come out of the earth to feed us. That's what this is saying here. And so we can say that. That's why, look over Psalm 136 and verse 4 through 9. Here King David is saying in Psalm 136, 4 through 9, he says, To him who alone doeth great wonders for his mercy, right? God was alone before he made man, and he did all those great wonders, his mercy endureth forever, verse 5, to him that by wisdom made the heavens, his mercy endureth forever. And he's uh, 6, to him that stretched out the earth above the waters for his mercy endureth forever, to him that made great lights, great lights, or luminaries, his mercy endureth forever, the sun to rule by day, the moon and the stars to rule by night, his mercy endureth forever. That's the mercy of God, those lights. There. Now, we come in verse now, back in Genesis, in verse 28, to the creation of animals. God made them, blessed them, and then he gave to Adam, he gave to Adam dominion, in other words, rulership over the animals. So he had the purpose in mind when he made the animals. The animals were going to be, as we saw a little bit earlier about the herbs, for the service of man. Man was going to rule over them. They were going to serve man, the animals. I have a dog in my neighborhood that barks all the time. He's not serving me, but he must be serving somebody. I don't know. Anyway, but this is the service of man. And so he has a purpose for the animals. It was for man to use. And just as God had a purpose for creating the animals, God has a purpose for each one of us because he doesn't create purposelessness way. Anyway, he has a purpose, see? And so that's very, very important. That's the most important thing you can discover in life. What is the purpose that God has given to me? To find it, to, the purpose that God has, to f- follow it, the three F's, and to finish it, see? So here it is. It's a purpose. You know, it's a great song and I want to read you some the hymn here. Some words. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis a task the master just for you has planned. Haste to do his bidding. Yield him service true. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. There's a work for Jesus precious souls to bring. Tell them of his mercies. Tell them of your king. Faint not, nor grow weary. He, he will strength renew. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. 
Isn't that good to remember? That God has for each one of us a work that no one else can do, that just he has made just for us to do. Now, then we come to Genesis 1.30, where it speaks about to every beast, beast of the earth and every fowl, everything. He gave the green herb, the vegetables, for meat, and it was so. So, God provided these animals, not only with the purpose for them, as he does for us, but he provided life to sustain them. Life. God is in the life-sustaining, life-preserving business. That's what God does. So, God provided these animals, not only with the purpose for them, as he does for us, but he provided life to sustain them. Life. God is in the life-sustaining, life-preserving business. That's what God does. He provided to sustain the animal's life. He provided, as we've seen, to sustain our life, eternal life, the animals, right? So he has got a purpose for them, and then he has provided for them to sustain them. And one other thing, turn to Jonah. I know that's a tough one to find. Jonah 4.11. Now here is a passage here, Jonah. It's the last verse in Jonah. And here is a situation where Jonah has an attitude. We won't go into that too much other than to say that he just did not agree that God should love, provide salvation for in order to give life to the Ninevites. And God, the, the, the great psychologist, is sitting down with, no, with Jonah and trying to straighten him out, trying to reason with him. And so he says to him in, in the last verse, Jonah Jonah, he says, should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? And this is an amazing four words at the end of this verse, the end of this book. And he says, and also much cattle. Why would God care about the cattle? Because God does care about animals. God does care about the cattle. So we see here that God cares. He cares. And so just as he cares for the animals, he cares for us. Now we come to the creation of man. Everything is now set in place on earth. And the earth as we talked about is God has made it to set it up perfectly. It's like a big temple. The earth is like a big temple. But conspicuous by its absence is what? It's the worshiper in the temple. Where's the worshiper in the temple? Because man hasn't been made yet, right? The worshiper. That's our purpose in life. We are to worship God. We are to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where here it speaks about, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see that phrase, the Mighty God, the Mighty God? That's a very interesting word. Tim and Rachel explained that in Israel today, that word is used for the word hero. 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 Think about that. Okay, let me ask you. What are some synonyms? I didn't say cinnamon. I said synonyms. What are some synonyms for the word hero? What would you say? Champion. So now what about another word? Champion's a great word. Selfless, okay. A protector. How about role model? How about like uh, adored one? 
admired, right? Don't you admire a Hebrew, a uh, Hebrew, what am I saying? A, a hero, uh, like a wonder person, a brave person, all those kind of things, right? The worshiper worships his hero. The worshiper worships his hero. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, if I was to ask you the question this morning, are you a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm quite sure that you would say yes, and, and, and some might say, well, every Sunday I go to worship service in church. I didn't ask you that. Or I asked, are you a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, let me ask you another question. Is the Lord Jesus Christ your hero? Amen. Is he your hero? Some might say, well, you know, uh, I was, I'm saved. I know the date and the, the time and place. And when I, I didn't ask that. Is he your hero? Is he your Someone said, I'm a Christian. Didn't ask that. Ask the question, is he your hero? In other words, this morning, if he's your hero, can you tell me why he's your hero? Could you do that? You know, my Ethiopian friend, I told you about Temeskin, he had osteosarcoma, so he went to heaven when he was 15 years old. And sometimes we would sit for our Bible times, and his eyes would just light up, and I would say, say something, Temeskin, you know, about the Bible. And his eyes would light up, and he would tell me things. He knew I knew them already, but he would tell me like it was, he was telling somebody who didn't know, and he would say, you know, there was a time when there were 5,000 people who came to hear the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were hungry, and he fed them miraculously. He would say it like that, you know. And I say, oh, and I would say, oh, tell me more. And so, because I love to hear the way he would explain it, you know. He'd say, you know, there was a time when this man was blind, and he heard him coming from afar down the road, and he started yelling out, and he gave him his sight. He healed his eyes. And so, I used to love to just, just, to, just say to Temeskin, tell me more, tell me more, because it was the way he told it. It was the sparkle in his eye. It was the excitement because he was telling me about his hero. That's what he was doing. See? The Lord Jesus Christ was Temeskin's hero. Temeskin was a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, do people come away and say, well, he's a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they come around, do they say, well, the Lord Jesus Christ is his hero? Because the way he talks about it, right? This afternoon, why don't you take some time, write down a piece of paper, why the Lord Jesus Christ is my hero. Let me count the ways. Just put them down there. We come now in Genesis 1, and we're looking, I want you to think about, in Genesis 1, the introductions to all the things that God created, in contrast to the introduction of his creation of man, and tell me the difference. Let there be light, let there be the firmament, let there be the animals and the whales, and let there be, he didn't say let there be when it came to man, did he? What did he say? Let us make man. He said, let us make man. You see that? There's an excitement in the air when he says that. It says that everything that he was made before was building up to this crowning part. And now, it's like, oh, finally, okay, we got all this in place. Now, let us make man in our image. Those two words, let us, really show that the whole Godhead was especially excited and focused on this creation of man. And it's 
built up to it. This fervency has been building. It's almost like it could have said, at last we get to make man. Or we really want to do this. We really want to do this. Or we couldn't wait to do this. And it's all kind of encapsulated into those two words. Let us. Let us. It's a, we really want to do this. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program today. Do you have a lost Jewish friend you'd like to reach with the gospel, maybe even a Gentile friend? Well, your Jewish friend can be reached by going to friendshipwithgod.org, and you can get a free gift for your Jewish friend. Now, if you'd like some materials to reach your lost Gentile friends, you can find those online as well at friendshipwithgod.org or calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Help reach your lost Jewish or Gentile friends, 800 247 3051. Let Tom Cantor help you to do that. Now, Tom Cantor's also got a resource this month called the 18-Day Calvary CPR Book. It's a wonderful book that will teach you how to inhale scriptures and exhale with a prayer to God. Calvary CPR Book. Now, Calvary CPR stands for Conversational Prayer Reading, or as Tom Cantor puts it, Bible Breathing, where we just, again, inhale a verse from the Bible and exhale a prayer, a response back to God. This will help you draw closer in your friendship with God. And it's our resource this month for a donation of $20 or more towards the Friendship with God radio program. It helps keeps us on the air with this Bible teaching radio program from Tom Cantor. So support the Friendship with God radio program and get the 18-day Calvary CPR book from Tom Cantor that will teach you how to have conversational prayer reading. 800-247-3051. Call us now. 800 247 or go online to friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore or 800-247-3051